Happy Family Day weekend. It's a great time to just take a break, have a little bit of time. I'm grateful that you're here. Um, I just want to let you know that while I was doing our reading in our Bible program this week, I came across a verse that just spoke to me. I want to share it with you. It's from the book of Leviticus, and that's a tough book to begin with itself. But this is what it said, Leviticus chapter 13, so some of you can verify this. Verse 40, it's talking about what's clean and what is unclean. When a man has lost his hair and is bald, he is clean. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. Now I just got to convince my wife. Um, no, it's all good. I want to just give you a little bit of a, a transitional update. Many of you have been getting our information during my transition telegraph that comes out every other week. Um, the Board of Elders finally signed off. Not finally, they finally watched, watched uh, the report and uh, have agreed to it. And so I'm going to be, when I go home this week, I'm going to be putting together a video of it and walking you through the survey. And I walk, and I'm videotaping it on purpose because there's many slides that have comments that really substantiate what uh, the previous slide illustrated. So I don't want to have to wait for you to, to read everything because it then would be two hours long. But all I'm going to encourage you to do is to pause it and then read it and then keep going through. So be on the lookout for an email that says this is ready to go. It's only going to be up for about 14 days, but we wanted to report to you. And then in there, you'll see what some of our steps are moving forward. Is that all right? You got it? Good. All right, here we go. I want to see if I'm in the right place this morning. How many of you this morning have ever done something wrong? Put up your hand. Okay. I'm in the right place then. Up until COVID, I had the privilege of attending a conference by my mentor and friend, John Maxwell. And whenever he works with an organization, he conducts a voluntary worship service early in the second morning. Virtually everyone comes. And they bring, many of them bring their spouses and many of their family members. And at one of our trainings years ago, I remember we had just a great time of worship because they bring in a worship team. And when John spoke on the four pictures of God, people responded and about 450 people stepped forward to receive forgiveness and say yes to Jesus. And as I sat there watching hundreds move right past me because I was in the front, my eyes were filled with tears, grateful for the for the power of the gospel and the gift of forgiveness. I was just, it's just so moving to see people respond to God like that. How many of you here today would like to experience a touch of God to enable you to look to the future with confidence? How many of you here today would like to know how to walk freely from your past? How many of you would like today to see an example of someone who was greatly used despite their past? And how many of you here today would like to know the next step in becoming all that God has planned for you? If any of those questions spark an interest in you and a desire in you, then you're in the right place. Will you stand with me? I want to read our passages of Scripture this morning. They're not on the screen, so you're going to have to listen to me. Will you stand? As we read God's word, 
I'm going I'm to read two stories about Peter from John chapter 13 and then John chapter 21. This is what it says. When he is gone, Jesus said, this is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and he will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, and I tell you now where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so that you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't we follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, you will really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will have disowned me three times. We know what happens, Peter does disown him. Now listen to these verses in John chapter 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared, after he had he would risen from the dead, after he appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the other sons of Zebedee and the two other disciples were together. I'm going to go out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but they caught nothing that night. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they replied. He said, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. When they did this, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, this John, the one who wrote this book, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard it, heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped in the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. And Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. You think numbers don't matter? They do when you're fishing. But everyone with us, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Now this was the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Let me ask you a question this morning. Who is the hardest person to forgive? It isn't a trick question. 
As I've been working with people for over 40 years, here are some of the things that I've discovered about you and about me. Being raised in the church, most Christians, and I must include myself in this, struggle with four simple yet powerful truths. One, I had a difficult time loving myself. I was a sinner saved by grace, and when others would say, I believe in you, I would hear this voice in my head that whispered, they're just saying that, but you can't achieve much. See, I had a second time, I had a, a difficult time believing in myself. You see, I was a sinner saved by grace. The third thing was I had a difficult time investing in myself. And if I could not achieve much, then why would I even spend money investing in myself? I had learned that most people want everyone else to bet on them, but nobody bets on themselves. Do you know the irony that I'm talking about? I could quickly love to dream big and be all that God wanted me to be, and I could point to you and say, I believe in you and you can do it. And I would encourage you to pay whatever price you must pay to reach your dream. But the fourth one is that I could not forgive myself. After all, I was expected to live a life of losing more than winning. And whenever I went into Christian circles, I had people who would point out my mistakes or what I did or said that didn't meet their standards. So after a while, I just didn't expect much of myself. Reminds me of the conversation between Charlie Brown and his friend Linus. He said, Charlie Brown said to Linus, don't take it too hard. I've done a lot of stupid things in my life too. Charlie Brown, he was quite the theologian. Friends, if you and I are going to live a life of victory and freedom, we need to realize this truth for today. There are days when I can't forgive myself. How about you? Which is bigger, your sins or your God? And which of your sins can God not forgive? Let me tell you a couple of stories that I've got personal. I could tell you very many details about this. Two situations where they had a very difficult time forgiving themselves. There was a man who ran over a child while they were under the influence of prescription pain medic medication. Had a hard time forgiving himself. I knew a student who was bullied into trying a drug and ruined his life and ruined his family and ended up in jail, stayed there a very long time, and he could not forgive himself. So let me ask you this question. How do you forgive yourself? Should I forgive myself? Should you forgive yourself? And why is forgiving oneself even necessary? Neil Anderson said this, because when you discover that you can't blame God for your problems, you blame yourself. When you and I get in trouble, the devil knows that he, if he can get you and me to believe that our sins are way beyond the reach of God's grace, then he knows we will self-destruct. Today, I want you to walk away free from the chains around your neck if you accept the gift of forgiveness from your Father. And today I'm going to give you an opportunity to symbolically do this. In your notes it says, none of their past sins will be brought up again. 
Now that's an encouraging word for us. Now let me go back to Peter, because Peter is kind of the main subject of our topic, this talk this morning. And if you have your, your Bible or if on your app, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 26, because Matthew really records the details of Peter falling flat on his face after he said to Jesus, I will never betray you. And Jesus goes, oh yes you will. We know in verses 69 and 70, Jesus is on trial. And Peter's gone up to this fire and this little servant girl says, you also are with Jesus of Nazareth. First time. In 71 to 72, another girl, a follower of Jesus of Nazareth. Don't you, you know the man. They're, they're calling him out. This is the second time. And then in verses 73 to 75, those standing by, as Peter's there, someone says, your accent gives it away. And Peter calls down curses and swears that he would never be associated with Jesus. In your notes, Matthew chapter 26, verse 75, suddenly Jesus' words flash through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you have even known me. John records this, that the Lord turned at Peter and looked straight at him. You've all had that look from somebody when you've done something wrong, right? You've messed up. I can, I can picture my mother's eyes. And it says that Peter went away and he wept bitterly. Now, how does Peter recover? We'll get to that in a bit, but there's a powerful lesson here for us. Look at the contrast between Peter and Judas. We know that Judas denied Jesus. In fact, he sold him for 30 pieces of silver. And what we find out as we read in the Gospels is that Judas actually went out and took his life. He couldn't handle the fact that he had done this to Jesus. But Peter is a different story. And so this illustrates our point today. We can choose to walk in God's forgiveness or we can choose to carry the shame and the guilt and the pain and make a mess of our lives. So what does forgiving myself require? Let's look at, there's three things that I want us to, to discover this morning. You okay this morning? Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, this will be good news for you. <laughs> and turn back to them and say, and you need good news. <laughs> All right, the first thing that we need to do in case you didn't know, I like to have fun while I'm doing this. Accept God's forgiveness. It's not by accident that several weeks ago I talked about accepting God's forgiveness. And then I talked about forgiving others. And then today we're going to talk about forgiving ourselves. The first thing we have to do is accept God's forgiveness. And on that first Easter morning when the women went to the tomb and it was open, Jesus was gone and they encountered an angel who told them Jesus was alive. But I want you to note what else the angel said in Mark chapter 16. Look at verse 7. But 
But the angel said, do not be alarmed, for you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples. I want you to underline this. It's already underlined in your notes. Why don't you circle it? Including Peter. That Jesus is going on ahead of you in Galilee, and you will see him there just as he told you before he died. Why Peter? Why would the angel specifically say to Peter, he's alive? If Peter was anything like you and me, he would be overwhelmed with shame, disgust and guilt. If we had denied knowing Jesus, in fact, I'm just thinking even now that if I knew that I would, if, if Peter was told that Jesus would see him again, he's going, oh man. The angel wanted Peter to know that because he would have felt like an outcast. He would have felt like he was beyond reaching. But we must embrace a very significant truth. In your notes, this is what I want you to know today, and I put it in there so you wouldn't miss it. Forgiveness is our problem. It's not God's. How do I know this? Well, hang on, we're going to go through a few. First of all, God forgives specifically. It's easy for general sins, but the specific ones, they're the ones that cause us the most guilt. For Peter, it was, man, I just denied you. I said I wouldn't deny him, but I did it. I did it once. I did it three times. But God forgives specifically. Next, God also forgives instantly. There's no begging with God. You don't have to wait for your transaction to clear. I remember when the debit cards first came out. And you never knew what was in your bank account. And so you would go and you would just put you in, I want 40 bucks, and you would just pray, when you were, especially if you were a grocery store, you just pray that that thing would go through. God instantly forgives you. Next, God forgives you completely. With God, there are no leftovers. He doesn't throw them at us later like we tend to do to one another. It reminds me of a cartoon I saw. A man was talking to his counselor about his wife. The man said, I can't take it anymore. My wife is historical. Confused, the counselor said, do you mean hysterical? No, the man said, she's historical because she brings up everything I've ever done. I know none of the ladies here have ever done that, so you get a free pass. God's not like that. God gives, forgives repeatedly. There are no limits. There are no limits. And next, God forgives freely. There is no cost to you because Jesus paid it all. We're going to be coming into Easter very soon. We're going to be talking about what took place on the way to Calvary. Philip Yancey said this, God took a great risk by announcing forgiveness in advance. And the scandal of grace involves a transfer of that risk to us. Remember the definitions of grace and mercy from our Bible reading. Mercy is not getting what we deserve, and grace is getting what we don't deserve. You might want to write that one down. Mercy is not getting what we deserve, 
That's God's mercy. But grace is getting what we don't deserve. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 says, You were dead. God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. C.S. Lewis said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Too many of us are still beating ourselves up over the sins that God has already removed from us. They were held by the nails that held Jesus to the cross. Why do we go back to the cross and we're unconvinced that our sin is not forgiven? Remember this definition that forgiving is giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. And that is what God did for you and me. He gave up the right to hurt you and me for hurting him. But your sin had to be paid for and Jesus was hurt. So the first thing we have to do is accept God's forgiveness. The second thing is we need to change the way that we live. Change the way I live. You see, unless you begin to change some of the destructive patterns in your life that are the source of the baggage, the source of the guilt, and the shame in your life, you will never be able to forgive yourself completely. And by the way, you can't change alone. This is not a self-help group. You need God's Spirit to transform your life. Our role is to admit our need to change and submit our life to the Holy Spirit. Friends, some of you can't forgive someone who wronged you. You can't do it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit to help you. And the same is true for yourself. You can't forgive yourself on your own. You need the Holy Spirit to do that work in your life. Now back to our story. Jesus dies on the cross the resurrection happens, Jesus is alive, and Peter is reeling from his failure. So what does he do? What did Peter do before he was called to be a disciple, friends? He was a fisherman. So he goes back fishing. And that John 21 passage is the one that I read for you. Fishing was his old life. He messed up. He disqualified himself from doing anything and he caused his master great pain and suffering. And he forgets that God called him and he goes back to being a fisherman. Sometimes when we mess up, we do the same thing, only we just go back to our old way of life. What's the point? I'm just going to mess up again. I'm just going to mess up again. I'm just going to go back fishing. And by the way, the other disciples were with him. It's not like he did this on his own. Then they all went out all night. They didn't catch a bite. It wasn't a good night if you were a fisherman. And then Jesus calls from the shore, did you catch anything? They didn't recognize Jesus. And so he says, try the other side. Now hold this thought for a moment. By the way, remember there was another interaction with Jesus earlier in Luke chapter 5 when Peter was called to be a disciple and the same dialogue occurs when Peter is told by Jesus to put it on the other side. And he uses these words. This is, these are great words. Because you said so, I will let down the nets. But there's no mention of Peter recognizing his voice. 
in John chapter 21, because all he's thinking about is fishing. All he's thinking about is how much of a failure he is. Especially when you go out fishing all night, you don't get any fish. Look in your notes. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he went on his, on his tunic, put on his tunic for he was, had stripped it to work. And he jumped in the water and he headed to the shore. And the others stayed with the boat and pulled the load, loaded net to the shore for they were only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a coal fire and some bread. Now listen. I don't want you to miss this little detail because this little detail has tremendous implications for you and me. When Jesus was being tried and Peter was hovering around and he started to deny Jesus, do you remember what he was standing around? A fire. Burning coals. He was standing around that fire when Jesus looked at him when he heard the crow, when he heard the rooster. It was at that place. And you and I, we have a sense called smell and sight. And what happens is we associate it. So any time that Peter looked at a fire, any time that Peter saw the smoke, he would be reminded of how he forsake and deny Jesus. Don't miss this little piece here. For Jesus is sitting beside what? On the side of the shore. A fire with coals. Why does he reinstate Jesus next to a fire? Because Jesus is gracious to us. Don't miss this. Sometimes God will take us back to the place where we have sinned to redeem us and allow that painful memory to be replaced with a grace-filled memory. See, Jesus didn't want Peter every time he came to a fire to be reminded of how he denied him. He wanted to redeem that spot. He wanted to bring him back. We didn't even talk about how Jesus has a dialogue with Peter. What he does do is he says, I want to replace what you thought was shame where you messed up. You thought I wrote you off. I want you to realize how much I love you. How you're forgiven. And what does Peter do after this? His life changed because he was obedient to God. He surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And we see a man who had no courage to stand up to some little servant girls that had no power. They just had insight that he was with Jesus. And later in the book of Acts, we see that he was standing outside the temple on Pentecost. And he courageously preached and, and boldly preached to the multitudes. And thousands of people responded to Jesus' message. Of forgiveness. And Luke records for us, it's in your notes, in Acts chapter 4, verse 3, 13, pardon me. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of who? Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. 
But underline this part. But they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. As I was reviewing this this morning, I said, oh Lord, may it be said of me that when people see me, they think this man must have been with Jesus. No greater compliment. This man must have been with Jesus. It's not about me, it's about Jesus, friends. It's about Jesus. And here's the good news. When God forgives you and enters your life, he gives you the ability to seize the power to remove those bad memories and replace them with positive patterns in your life. And the Holy Spirit takes that and helps you and transforms you. Our memory verses from Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 that says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire. Circle the word desire. It's the Holy Spirit that God gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You can't do it on your own. You'll be right back to the fire with Peter. Somebody will call you out. When God forgives you, and begins to change your life, you become capable of forgiving yourself. Let me just review with you. We need to accept God's forgiveness. We need to change the way that I live. And thirdly, I need to embrace a new future. Notice the way that Peter's life changed. And Peter had to embrace the new life, friends. There's two things I want you to see. The first thing is before Peter's denial... As he was being one of Jesus' disciples, as he was spending three years with Jesus, and he was being taught by him, as he was, as he was being exposed to the heart of Jesus and the call of Jesus, God instilled kingdom potential into him. And by the way, that's true of you and I today. When we become the sons and daughters of Jesus, he deposits in us the potential to make a difference in the kingdom. And look at how Jesus did that. Matthew chapter 16. Now I say to you that you were Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Suppose we could eliminate the memories of the pain of our past. What is God's plan for that? God does forgive the past, but he never erases it because he has a purpose for it. Have you ever asked yourself, how can God use me in his work? How can God use me at Circle? How could God use me in Saskatoon or in the area in which I live? Take a second look and behind you, look at the baggage, the things that hurt the most, and let God redeem them for his glory. Let him repurpose your pain and use an experience to help other people. Draw closer to Jesus. But the second thing is I want you to see after Jesus' denial that God wants to redeem not only his past, but our past. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. These are, these are Paul's words. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. For I know that I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through 
me. God wants to turn your past into your most powerful ministry. But Bob, you don't understand my situation. Friend, remember at the start of the message, I said I had difficulty loving myself, believing in myself, investing in myself, and forgiving myself. Listen closely this morning. Each of these four things exposed a lie that I believed and maybe you believed this morning. Perhaps you have done as I did and accept the lie as a truth that I was unworthy to have these things. You see, the enemy of our soul wants you to believe that you're not worthy to become all that God's planned for your life and for mine. The enemy and some others like to hold your past and leave you paralyzed for today and tomorrow. You see, nothing you can do can limit the plans of God for, your, for you as long as you're willing to turn to God, ask for forgiveness and forgive yourself. Peter understood this. For he wrote in his book in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, these words. All the grace pardon me, all the God of all grace who called you into his eternal glory. He says, grace means there's nothing that you can do to make God love you more and nothing that you can do to make God love you less. You see, forgiveness is our problem, not God's. Still not convinced? I know that the scriptures are filled with people who changed the world. And by the way, if you're reading with me in the program, today we've, we've hit 49 days. I want to congratulate you for being on target with me. But the scriptures are so authentic that they allow us to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. In Hebrews chapter 11, we see the hall of fame of faith. Now look at me, friend. Everyone in this hall of fame made big mistakes in their life. Jacob was a liar and a cheater, and God changed his name to Israel, and we know his name is about the 12 tribes. Moses was a murderer who had an anger problem, yet God used him to bring the children of Egypt, or children of Israel out of Egypt. David was an adulterer and a murderer, and yet God made him a man after his own heart and is known today as the greatest leader in Israel. Jonah ran away from God, and God brought him back and used him to change an entire city. Paul persecuted and murdered Christians, yet God used him to become one of the greatest evangelists and church planters in history. And yes, Peter denied Jesus, but God used him to become the central figure in founding the very first church. How about... If God can use these men and women to change the world, then all you have to do is receive God's forgiveness, forgive yourself by the Holy Spirit's help and open yourself up to God's potential for your life. Maybe you won't hit the wall of faith But today, you can hit the wall of forgiveness. If you want to be in God's hall of fame, you need to write your name on God's wall of forgiveness. 
Because in Romans, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we need to stop condemning ourselves. We need to stop listening to people who condemn you. God's not condemning you. He's calling you to himself. Stop living in bondage. And when you walk out here today after you've written your initials on these walls, then leave this place open to God's unlimited future. In your notes, there's your memory verse. But then there's a little prayer. Lord, thank you for forgiving me. I realize that I've been carrying around the chains of past sins that have been already forgiven. I want to trust you with my past as well as my future. Today, I receive and walk in your forgiveness for you fill in whatever it is that God has brought to your mind and you sign it. Because I want to invite you as an act of choosing to forgive yourself. In a few moments, we're going to sing. And there are two boards up here, one on either side. And there's some markers there that you can use. Just grab it and write on, your, on the board your initials as an act of accepting God's forgiveness and embracing all that God has for you today. My challenge is, will you respond? Will you pray with me? Worship team, won't you join me up here? What is that one thing that you believe God is disqualifying you? Or maybe what you're disqualifying yourself from being used of God? Just name it. Just, it's there. Now confess it before God. Why do we need to do that? Because I want you to hear this truth. God's word in 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he, meaning God, is faithful and, will, and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's a done deal. We need to drop it. We need to declare it. We need to live in it. Just listen to the voice of the Spirit this morning. Father in heaven, thank you for hearing my confession today. Jesus, thank you for bearing my sin. Holy Spirit, fill me. Remind me and empower me to live free from my past. I give my future to you. I recognize there are going to be times in the future where I, I'm going to fail and I'm going to sin again. And I'm simply going to confess it to you, give it to you, and draw closer back to you. Thank you that you're for us, that you're with us, and that you provided for us. 
I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.